Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm having a fantastic day. I'm actually taping this on a Sunday, which means um, it's more of a low-key day. That's how we like it. We don't like to overschedule ourselves uh, the day before going into a big week. I feel like they're all big weeks. They're all busy. They're all jam-packed with lots of things to do at work and with the kids and with activities. And we need a down day just for our physical health and our mental health. I actually got to do something fun today, though. Um, I took my oldest son to go get a tuxedo for the prom. So that was a lot of fun. He did get invited. And so we went to the store and it was packed. And there were only two people working in the store, which means that the the guys that were working were also helping like five other people at the same time. And I have to say, (laughs) I'm so nervous for Jake to get this tux because the guy that was helping us had horrific handwriting. I'm not even exaggerating. The numbers were a mess. So when you're writing down like which jacket we want, and so everything's like coded with a number, I couldn't even read his handwriting. Now, he probably can read his own handwriting, but it didn't make me feel very confident. So every time he would walk away from us to go help somebody else, I would rewrite everything he just wrote. And Jake's like, Mom, what are you doing? I'm like, listen, I don't want you getting some random coat and random pair of pants and the wrong color tie or or whatever we were doing. Like, I want to make sure that we're getting the right stuff. And... um, yeah, he would come back and he would say, what do you think about this? And we would tell him, he's like, no, I don't like that idea. And then he would walk away and we're like, okay, well, <laughs> what are, what's your suggestion? It was just pure chaos. And so I think I'm going to go back later this week and just review the order because I don't have a lot of confidence that um, our experience uh, was is going to end up the way we want it to end up. So I think I'm going to head back. So I don't know. Is that normal? Is it abnormal? This is my first kid going to prom. Um, I've only experienced prom from the female end of it, you know, and the dress and the hair and the makeup and the nails and all that stuff. This is my first time experiencing it from the guy's perspective. So for all of you that have been through this before, I would love your help, love your feedback as we go into it. Today, I want to talk about a topic called performance goals versus aesthetic goals. And this has been on my radar to talk about for a while now. I just haven't had the opportunity. And so I'm really super excited, as I am every week. Again, no surprise here. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. Have you ever looked at a picture of yourself from years past and thought, man, I look good. Why was I never happy with the way I looked back then? I hear it all the time. And I can, I can share that same experience. Uh, I, uh, 
what I was posting a picture or I was sharing a picture with somebody uh, that I took years ago. And I'm like, gosh, I like the way I look then. Why was I never content with how I looked? I had a client the other week who said, I was looking back at old pictures and I don't know why I was so unhappy. I looked really good, right? We're never content. We're always thinking that we should look different and should look better um, through, I guess, our own, I don't even know what we're measuring against, a sense of ideals. I don't know. But I know I'm not the only person to have experienced this. And I know that my client the other week was not the only person to experience this. I hear this a lot. And so today I want to talk about this concept of aesthetic goals. When we're always making goals based on how we look. And how quite possibly, if I can convince you, we should be making performance goals instead. See, aesthetic goals are all based, again, on how you look. So a lot of us make those goals because that's what we think will make us happy. So we make a goal of, I want to lose 10 pounds, or I want to wear a size 4, or I want to wear a size 10, or, you know, something based on how we look or what clothing size we wear. The problem with creating aesthetic goals is they're always short-lived. And the reason they're short-lived is because we're focusing on the wrong thing. Aesthetic goals, that's going to be a hard one to say a couple times. Aesthetic goals, when we create them, and everybody around us creates them, so we feel like this is the right thing to do. I want to lose 50 pounds. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to, you know, make my legs look smaller. I want to make my stomach look smaller. I want to make my my butt look bigger. I want to make my arms smaller. Whatever you're looking to do. They're very motivating at first. Wouldn't you agree? Like again, I told you before, I was the queen of creating spreadsheets. I would spend a whole weekend making a spreadsheet on exactly what I was going to eat and how I was going to work out. And come Tuesday, eh, I kind of lost my motivation. It wasn't exciting anymore. It was exciting the first few days. And then as soon as something better came along, a better opportunity, like going out with friends or going out for a drink with uh, my husband or meeting people, like whatever it was, as soon as there was a better option on the table, forget the spreadsheet. I just couldn't want to go have fun. I just want to do what I want to do. Right? Or... Maybe you are motivated at first. Maybe you're motivated for the first week or even the first two or three weeks. But then things get difficult. Maybe the scale doesn't move. Maybe you feel like you have done all the right things. I worked out the way I was supposed to. I ate the right foods. And the scale went up a half a pound. Because that happens, especially if you're female. We are in constant fluid shifts. The scale is not always friendly. But for a lot of us, if the scale is our only form of measurement to our success and the scale doesn't show what we feel like it should say, it doesn't validate our efforts, we quit. Doesn't matter if you feel better. Doesn't matter if you're sleeping better. It doesn't matter if you're not huffing and puffing when you go upstairs anymore. If the scale doesn't validate your efforts, you want to quit. 
That's the problem with aesthetic goals. We're using a flawed system, especially if we're using a scale and especially if we're only using a scale. If the scale is your only indicator of progress, it's ultimately going to hurt your relationship with food. It's going to hurt your relationship with fitness and ultimately hurt your relationship with yourself. How does it hurt your relationship with food? Well, you start categorizing food. This is good. This is bad. I can't have this. I can't be trusted around this. I can't eat this. This is terrible. I'm a bad person if I eat this. We did a whole episode on labeling foods as good or bad, right? So when we use a scale as our only only indicator of success, it hurts our relationship with food. We no longer can be around all types of food because we are fearful. We are scared. We give it power. It doesn't deserve any power. It doesn't deserve any label. Food is food. It just sits on a table unless we do something with it. It can't hurt you. It can't make you feel a certain way. We assign all of that and we do that because our relationship is tainted due to a preoccupation with the scale. The scale also hurts our relationship with fitness and exercise and just moving our body movement. We start to see exercise as a punishment. If I ate something that I shouldn't have, I need to exercise to get rid of it. Instead of celebrating how you feel when you move, you look at it with resentment. This is something I have to do versus something I get to do or I want to do. Who wants to exercise when they're feeling resentful all the time? Who wants to exercise when they're feeling punished all the time? Nobody. Right? And ultimately, the scale hurts our relationship with ourself. You know, we start to say a lot of negative things to ourselves. We start to hate our bodies. We start to, you know, hate our, our performance and our willpower. And we start to put ourselves down at all costs. But that doesn't feel good either. And so I want to try to convince you today why you should no longer ever, ever, ever make an aesthetic goal and why you should make a performance goal instead. So I'm going to give you a couple reasons. I got three. First and foremost, why we want to create performance goals is it increases our confidence. Right? It increases our confidence. It makes you focus on what you can do versus what you weigh. Remember that uh, episode we did at the beginning of the year on your body is an instrument, not an ornament, right? It was from that book. Um, Now it's escaping me what the name of that book was called, um, but I did a book review back in January. And one of the things that I loved, one of the comments they made was your body is an instrument, not an ornament. So When you focus on performance goals, something that you actually can achieve, right? So maybe your performance goal is I want to be able to walk 20 minutes without stopping. Or maybe your goal is to run a mile. Or maybe your goal is to run five miles. Maybe your goal is to do a pull-up. Maybe it's to squat, you know, with uh, 125 pounds on your back. 
When you create a performance goal, something you want to do, it increases your confidence because it starts to allow you to ask better questions, right? When you get on the scale and it doesn't work out the way you want to, your immediate reaction is, what did I do wrong? How did I fail? I guess I screwed up again. I'm a terrible person. When you start to create performance goals, you start to focus on what else can I do? There's a really great commercial right now. I think it's for Bowflex. I don't know if you've ever seen it on TV. I've seen it a couple times. Um, But it's for Bowflex. And it's this girl who's lifting weights. Now she's doing a bicep curl. And she has this thought. She's not actually saying it out loud, but you can hear her thought. Like, I wonder what else I can do. And then before you know it, she's doing a flip. Uh, She runs up a tree and does a backflip off of it. She plays in a tennis match. I think she's fencing. She slides across a car. Because all of a sudden, I can lift this weight. I wonder what else I'm capable of. And she starts to look at all these positive things. Like, look at me. I am strong. And I have speed. And I have agility. Like, what else can I conquer? And I love that message. Because it focuses on what you can do instead of what you're not and what you haven't been able. And one is very empowering and one is very inspiring and the other is deflating and defeating and very unmotivating. When you create a performance goal, it helps you focus on what you can control and what action items to focus on. When you create an aesthetic goal, there are so many factors that go into that scale telling you the number you want to see. Again, if you're female, we've got fluid shifts, hormonal shifts. Um, you know, you may have done everything right and the scale just didn't move. When you create performance goals, you actually start focusing on the things that help you move forward, right? You, it helps you focus on things that you have control over, not things that you hope all the stars will align and maybe the scale will tell you something nice today. I'd rather control variables than hope. Hoping and wishing are not strategies I like to get behind. Really what it comes down to is confidence, if we're honest, right? You know, for a lot of people, when they come into my office, I'll ask them, what are their goals, right? What are you looking to achieve? And a lot of them, you know, they'll say weight management or um, maybe it's disease management. But for the ones that want weight management, you know, some will say, I want to fit into this dress for this event or I want to be able to wear a bikini on the beach this summer, right? But I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. It goes beyond, I want to wear a bikini on the beach. Why do you want to wear a bikini on the beach? I think the answer is because I want to feel confident in my body. I want to go out there and not be so afraid of what other people may be thinking. And by the way, nobody is looking at you. Every single female out there is scared to death of what other people are saying about them. 
that nobody else is focusing on anyone else. It's kind of, it's kind of funny if you think about it. But I think really what, you know, some people are telling me when they come into my office is I want to feel confident. I want to feel strong. I want to improve my self-esteem and my, my self-confidence. That's what it comes down to. How do you want to feel? I want to feel confident. If we, we think, let me back up a second. For a lot of us, our thoughts are flawed. We think that if we look a certain way, then we will feel confident. If I wear this size clothing or if I get down to this weight, then I will be confident. But I want to challenge you a little bit on that thought. We all know that confidence, well, I should back up. Maybe we don't all know. But confidence is a mindset. It has nothing to do with size. Right? We've all seen pictures of larger people. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but people in larger bodies rocking it. They're confident. They've got a huge smile on their face. They're wearing whatever clothes that they think, um, I guess, reflect their personality or what makes them feel good. And no judgment. We've seen those pictures and I'm like, gosh, I wish I had that lady's confidence. Right? And then we've also seen the flip side. We've seen people with eating disorders who have zero confidence. They weigh such a small number, it's not even healthy for their body, and yet they still think that they weigh too much. So if a statement is true, it has to be true in all circumstances. And in this case, size does not equal confidence. It doesn't. True confidence is a mindset. Confidence is when you show up for yourself. It's based on what you do and not how you look. Which is awesome because that means that confidence is available to all of us, regardless of what we look like. It is a choice. But a lot of us, confidence comes from taking action. And so a performance goal is one where you take action. It's one based off of you doing work, not getting on a scale and seeing what the number reflects. So that's, that's number one. Why do we want to create performance goals? Is because they increase our confidence. And deep down, that's what most of us want. The second reason why we want to choose performance goals is because they keep us motivated. Again, I told you in the beginning, aesthetic goals are short-lived. We feel motivated in the beginning, and that fizzles out very quickly. Right? Aesthetic goals are not enough for the long-term motivation. And, and whether we're talking about a health goal or um, a, just a way of living, right? Because most people come to my office like, I just, I don't want to do this up and down thing anymore. Just, I want to just be healthy for the rest of my life, right? For the rest of my life is a very long time. Feeling motivated for two or three days isn't going to touch for the rest of my life. So if you want to be motivated to live a healthier lifestyle for the rest of your life, you have to focus on goals that keep your motivation strong. 
For those that know me, or those that know me through the podcast, you know that I enjoy exercise. But I enjoy exercise not because of weight management. I enjoy exercise because of how it makes me feel mentally. It's a stress reducer for me. Um, I just enjoy moving my body in different ways. I'm not always good at everything, like flexibility, terrible. Um, But I like pushing myself and seeing what I can do, uh, whether it's through strength or cardio, HIIT training, running, walking with a friend. Like I just enjoy all forms of movement. It just makes me feel good. I sleep better at night. Um, I just, I really just enjoy it. I like going on walking dates versus eating dates. Um, Anytime I can move my body, it just generally makes me feel better. The aesthetic parts of exercise are just an added bonus, but that's not why I exercise at all. I exercise for the 700,000 other reasons, not the reason because it helps me maintain my weight. I like the fact that it helps me maintain my weight. Don't get me wrong. I'd be lying if I said I didn't, but it's not the focus. And it's the same thing with aesthetic goals. They should be a byproduct of the performance goal. They shouldn't be the sole focus. So, you know, when you think about what do you want to accomplish, yeah, your weight might change in the process or it might not, but at least mentally you're in a much better space. I think I shared this with you a long time ago. I was reading a, um, a blog. Her name was... Oh, goodness. What is her name? Um, Isabella. Is it Isabella Duke? I'm going to butcher her name. I am so sorry. I should get that information for you when I... Isabella Fox and Duke. I think that's her name. And she said you can either pursue sanity or thinness. And I remember the first time I heard that, I'm like, oh, I don't want to have to choose. I want both. And she said you can't have both. You either pick sanity or you pick thinness. And for me, I had pursued sanity, or I should say I pursued thinness for so long and it never worked. I realized I'm chasing after the wrong thing. And only once when I started pursuing sanity did I feel better about myself, started making better choices. I started working on the mindset piece and everything just fell into place. But aesthetic goals should be a byproduct, not the focus. All right. And the third reason that we should choose performance goals over aesthetic goals is because ultimately they are the healthier choice. See, the problem with aesthetic goals is they tend to drive people to do unhealthy things to get healthy results. Right? That's usually a red flag that we're doing things wrong. If we're doing unhealthy behaviors in the name of health, I think we've got it backwards. Now, what are some ways that we can do unhealthy things in the name of health? Well, let's say I want to lose 25 pounds to be healthier. But in that process, I restrict my calories way too low. I engage in all this negative self-talk because I think it will motivate me to do better. And 
I do so much exercise that it puts me into a state of constant exhaustion. I'm nasty to my family. I'm, you know, falling asleep at my job. I don't have enough energy to spend time with my kids. I would say we're engaging in unhealthy behaviors, but but I'm doing it to lose weight so I can be healthy. I don't think so. Performance goals versus aesthetic goals. Performance goals are based on creating the healthy habit. Let's say you have a goal to run a 5K. Well, you need to break down what do you need to do to run that 5K effectively. You need sleep, right? You need to make sure you sleep. I'm trying to have this conversation with my kids right now, the ones that are doing track. As I go, Sleep is important to recovery. You can't skip out on that part, right? For some of you that haven't run in a very long time, you're going to need sleep because your body hasn't moved like that in quite some time. Sleep is an active part of the recovery process so you don't get an injury. So your body can heal itself, right? If you want to run a 5K, you're going to need to fuel yourself properly. You can't go out there on, you know, maybe an empty stomach for the past six hours and expect to have enough fuel in the tank to run the distance, right? You're going to need good form when you work out. So you're going to have to pay attention to your posture. You're going to have to get, you know, good shoes that support your feet. You're going to have to do all the good things so that you can run the race, You focus on what are the things I need to do to get to this goal. And you focus on the good, healthy stuff. For anyone that has a performance goal, I guarantee you the the mini goals leading up to that are not going to be unhealthy. They can't be because you won't hit the performance goal. It's about putting yourself in a position to be successful. Aesthetic goals tend to help you focus on the things that aren't healthy because you'll do whatever you need to do at all cost. That's not real life solutions. That's not long-term solutions. It's a quick fix. You're willing to sell your soul for the quick fix, but that ultimately isn't going to make you happy either. It might for a second, but then you'll just be to the next aesthetic goal. Because you and I both know we've looked at pictures of ourselves from before and we still weren't happy. So maybe aesthetic goals aren't the way to go. Maybe performance goals are the way to go. They increase our confidence. They keep us motivated. And they help us focus on the healthy habits instead of the unhealthy ones. So the question is, what performance goal do you want to make? Do you want to improve your flexibility? Do you want to improve your strength? Do you want to improve your cardiovascular endurance? I want you to create a performance goal and then I want you to tell me what it is so I can cheer you on. And if you need help, Along the way, like, how do I achieve this goal? Reach out. I think some of you know, my husband's an exercise physiologist. He has a lot of background in exercise. I'm a dietitian. 
I've got a lot of background in food and how I can help support your performance goal. But I want you to think about what is your performance goal and then share it with me. Go find me on socials, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, which is at Bodymetrics Health. Tag me in your performance goal. And I promise you, I will cheer you on. In fact, I will be the loudest one. All right. If you're not on socials, email me. All right. My email is adrian at bodymetricshealth.com. I'll cheer you on from there. I'll cheer you on from wherever. Give me a call. Call me at the office. I'm not going to give you my cell phone, but call me at the office. 610-454-7332. Front desk will write down what your performance goal is, and I will cheer you on from work. All right, guys? So let me know. What are your performance goals? All right. We did it. Let's go to our recipe of the week. So I'm actually making this for dinner tonight. It is a sheet pan Greek chicken and vegetable dish. So for this recipe, you're going to need two tablespoons of olive oil, two tablespoons of lemon juice, one clove of garlic minced, a half a teaspoon of oregano, one and a half teaspoons of Dijon mustard, a quarter teaspoon of salt. You're also going to need 10 ounces of chicken breast cut into large cubes, one medium zucchini sliced, one medium red bell pepper chopped, and a half a cup of red onion cut into wedges. So to make this recipe, in a small bowl, you're gonna combine the oil, lemon, garlic, oregano, mustard, and salt. And you're going to, uh, once stir that all together, once it's combined, go ahead and remove about a third of the sauce and set aside. Uh, next, you're going to place the chicken breast in the remaining sauce and stir to coat evenly. You're going to let that chicken marinate for about 10 to 15 minutes. And then meanwhile, go ahead and preheat your oven to 400 degrees. You want to line a baking sheet with parchment paper because I am your friend and we want cleanup to be easy. All right. Once you've got that baking sheet lined with parchment paper, go ahead and place all your vegetables on the baking sheet. So your zucchini, your peppers, and your onions, and drizzle with that reserved sauce that we set aside in the beginning. And then finally, go ahead and add your chicken to the sheet pan. You're going to bake for about 20, 25 minutes or until the chicken is cooked through. And then you can serve with some rice or quinoa and some lemon wedges. And that's it. Really nice, easy, simple a great weeknight meal, a great, a great weekend meal, uh, wherever you need um, a quick idea to build into your week. All right, guys. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I can't wait to see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.